Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. We are going to be having a special guest on our Every Day is Earth Day who is a part of the compost facility near Good Thunder, which is back up and running after the Blue Earth County Board gave a unanimous approval for it to resume operations. And with me this morning is Max Malinkovich, the manager. Thank you for joining me. Yes, good morning. Thank you, Karen. So it's called MFS Compost. What does that stand Correct. for? Does it have a specific name? Yeah, so the, the MFS is related to um, Mike Fitzsimmons and Sons. Okay. And, and they, that was that's the original farm owner out at the facility. And I guess that facility was first approved in 2012 to recycle organic food waste into compost. And I have in the past gotten a giant load of compost that was really great for my flower gardens and was really happy with it. So I was very, very sad when it closed down. You want to talk a little bit about what happened that this facility had to close down? I think it was a combination of a couple different things. You know, fortunately for this site and the operation in the local area businesses, we were able to bring it back to operational status um, to go back to following uh, the guidelines and the rules that you should follow when you compost. There was a, a little bit of a hiccup there. I had, you know, I had left for a few years. Another operation had come in, and um, like I said, fortunate. It's a, you know, rarely in life do you get a second chance at things, and and I got a second chance at this, and I'm I'm happy for it. I've read reports that say the former facility was plagued by complaints of neighbors because of the odor and that sort of thing, and so they didn't yep. accept any food waste since June of 2019. But they continue to process piles of compost that were on the site. So has it essentially been running since then and just not accepting new stuff? Uh, Correct. So there was a product that the previous operator was taking in that was just not a good fit for the facility or composting in general. And that was it was very odorous um, from what I've been told. I, you know, of course, wasn't out there at the time. Um, but yeah, it took us almost six to probably six to eight months to clean up after after the other previous operator had up and left. I read also in an article it said something about an ethanol byproduct the facility yep. took in, which caused that smell. What is what is an ethanol byproduct? I mean, it sounds like a good thing to recycle, I guess, but I'm not sure what it exactly is. Uh, so, in the ethanol process, they have lots of different byproducts. This was a this was a salty, odorous uh, liquid byproduct. Um, which actually by the state of Minnesota's industrial byproduct was approved to go directly on land. So you are correct. There was benefit to the product, just not at a compost facility due to the volume. Well, let's talk about how this works then now, because you, you now I know have to get sure. approval from the board and they'll they'll do, I think, reviews and that sort of thing. So what's different now at this compost facility near Good Thunder? Uh, so what's new is the feedstock analysis, feedstock meaning the materials that we accept. Of course, the the relationship with the county, the, you know, tracking temperatures and, and just doing doing the right thing for the composting process. Myself, uh, I'm on the U.S. Compost Council International Compost Awareness Week uh, committee. 
and I'm also a certified national uh, compost and recycling facility operator. So there's continuing education that I have to go through every year to maintain that license, and that's a big difference now moving forward, as well as, like I said, the feedstocks, the materials we're taking in. We have a, a, a very in-depth process, much like what we had when we first opened the facility. Where does usually that food waste go if it's not being recycled? What happens to it? Uh, there's a couple different places that it can go. Unfortunately, some of it, it, it this is going to sound crazy, but it's real in the state of Minnesota. Some of it gets incinerated, which is burned, oh. um, and then the rest of it would be landfilled. Really? You can incinerate food? <laughs> uh, the, it, like I said, it, it sounds crazy, but... There is food going into incinerators every day in Minnesota. I did not know that, and my cooking could be classified probably as that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, it's it's one of the strangest things to say out loud, but it's real every day. There's food that goes into uh, incineration. So is that being used toward energy, or is it just being completely just burned and wasted? Uh, no, it would be it would be used for energy consumption. Oh, okay. But now the food you're accepting different types of organic foods only. Is that right, or organic waste? Yep, yep, yep. So we have uh, so there's you know a whole laundry list of different things and changes that we've made. But our our feedstock analysis is one big thing in communicating with the county as far as what materials we're taking and where they're coming from we've we've opened the lines of communication back up with the county as far as who kind of what where when and what we're doing and so we're very specific and very targeted on our products that we're taking uh, to eliminate the potential or help eliminate the potential for products going bad or not composting properly because there's a you know I always say anybody can make a windrow but it it takes a lot of precision and, and thought behind making compost. Now, what is this feedstock analysis? I, I, I think that's a jargon thing that I don't know what that means. So that would, uh, that would essentially be like the analytics of the product that we're taking. So we're evaluating multiple different things, including salt content, whether it has, you know, any metals, trace metals, nitrogen, phosphorus, you know, all of the things that go into making a good compost. So where are these things so, coming from? Are they from uh, schools? Are they from restaurants? Or I'm trying to picture yeah, where... We, yeah, we take, you know, I don't necessarily know. LJP brings us material, and I don't specifically know where their pickups are from. But I would imagine some of them, those businesses include, you know, local businesses. I don't know specifically. I don't ask them for their, you know, their their client list. But we take larger like industrial food byproducts like corn and FLJP again on another account that that brings in straight food, literally straight food. We work with uh, the Hy-Vee locally, local Hy-Vees in the southern Minnesota area bring their products to our facility. Because, you know, I was just wondering where it comes from, if, if like some of the food we're consuming may end up in there. And, and also do things like paper and napkins and things get th- tossed in with that? Because it seems to me there's some places when you recycle food, you also can throw in the, the recyclable papers and things. Yeah, we're still evaluating some of the compostable products, but, but napkins and food-soiled papers are definitely accepted at our facility. I know one of the issues that has been issue in the past, I know when I received the big load 
a number of years mm-hmm. back, there was some plastics that were was in the compost. Yep. And I don't know if that's something you can easily take care of or because people throw that in and maybe it just gets mixed in. Is that something that will continue to be an issue? No, that that's a big change from our feedstock analysis and we'll actually have a different looking, I mean, it'll still be the same analytical report, um, but it's definitely a different look to what you're probably used to seeing. Because I know when I got that load, I was picking out all these little pieces of plastic. Once in a while, I would find yep. a part of a fork or, you know, plastic fork or something. So how, how do you do that? How do you make it sure it's not in uh, there? Is it filtering well, or something? Yeah, it's a different screening process. And it's also like, you know, it goes back to really what you accept as a facility. So I'm a lot of what happens in the composting world comes from the coast, if you will, like California or Florida. And well, composting a compostable product in California is way different than trying to break down a compostable product in Minnesota when it's 20 below zero. (laughs) True. And so that's, (laughs) I think that's some of what I've learned over the last nine, 10 years that I've been in this industry, specifically managing facilities, is a lot of those tests are done in what I would call a controlled almost a controlled environment, whereas Minnesota, we can change from 50 degrees to 100 degrees to 30 degrees in a week. Oh, yeah. And and I don't necessarily think we can take the same models that are used in in the Californias of the world to to Minnesota. And I think that's part of what I've learned, you know, personally as operating and what I've seen in products. So, Max, I'm a gardener, and often we talk on our gardening shows how you have to have the right mix of carbon, you know, green products, brown products, and all those sorts of things. Is it similar when you do the type of composting that you're doing, or is it a completely separate method? No, no. I mean, sometimes the other thing that happens in composting is people overthink it. It really comes down to moisture content, carbon, and nitrogen. So you add dirt to it then or something for the brown? uh, no, so we have leaves, so like oh. City of North Mankato, Mapleton, uh, we work with some tree companies on their wood chips. Those are our carbon sources. Oh, that's a great thing, because I know a lot of times the tree companies are always looking to do what to do with their chips, and I'm glad to hear that those are being recycled as well. Yeah, we took in probably 6,000 yards of wood chips this summer, so that was awesome. One of the things in the past that there was an issue was there wasn't a big market for some of the compost. And that is something that it talks about now that has changed and there's a growing need for more composting facilities. Do you want to talk about how that came about? Yeah, so we, through the last three years, have connected with uh, Egg Solutions out of Mapleton and then a, a agricultural company out of Wisconsin. And, and we are almost sold out of our product right now. So that's been a big shift from previous. And this company is a is newer to the Minnesota market. Egg Solutions just started marketing the product about three years ago. So this will be our third year out there marketing with Egg Solutions, our product. And like I said, we're, gonna, we're growing our end product probably 30 to 40% year over year. So that has been, that's a big, big difference for us moving forward as previous years where the end product was a I mean honestly quite a challenge and now we you know working with egg solutions and diamond tea egg is has been a game changer for us and do they bag it do you bag it here or how does that work 
No, we we sell it bulk, so you can come with a snowmobile trailer or a five-gallon bucket, or you know, or a, or in egg solutions case, end dump semis. So we don't do we don't put any products in bags. It's kind of the irony that I find in composting that you're putting compost in a plastic bag. But right. That's just my own personal <laughs> irony that I like to laugh at every once in a while. <laughs> I see that Ag Solutions is out of Mapleton as well, so it's kind of a local organization. Yep, yep they're right. Yep, they're right down the road, ten minutes from you know from our office to their office, and yeah, we we work really well with them, and and I anticipate that growing. So, is your primary customer going to be agriculture then? That this will go yep. on fields. Yep, one hundred percent. I mean, we still will have products available for residents, um, but our our majority of products will end up in the fields to grow more food in within the local you know farm fields neighboring farm fields well i know as a gardener it is a hard it is hard to find quality compost for your garden in bulk i mean i bought it in the bags and yep. it gets very expensive plus you have all that plastic and yep. so how how does that work does somebody come out there with their own truck or whatever and I, in my case i think I had it delivered from the facility and, you know, paid yep. for a delivery charge. So how, how does that work? Yep. So it's the same process as before. We can deliver. We have a probably an eight to 10 yard dump trailer that we can deliver with or folks can stop out, like I said, with a little utility trailer or five gallon buckets. We have shovels. We can help shovel. And we also have a bobcat that we can load trailers with if, if that's the amount that you're looking for. But I do want to, as a gardener, you want, you also want to make sure that you mix I talked to one uh, gentleman. He had put straight compost to try and grow tomatoes, and it, it reminded me to make sure I mentioned that you mix the compost with topsoil before you plant any anything. That's the best environment for the plants. That's a, Yeah, that is a, a very valid point, but the compost certainly does a lot to add nutri- yes. nutrients yep. as well as to the structure of the soil, which is why it's such a great Correct. thing yep. that, that you're going to be doing that. I'm really happy to hear that, actually. <laughs> and and yep. the product is called Living Carbon, I read. So th- is that all the product that comes there? You call it Living Carbon? That's the product that goes to the uh, agricultural oh. fields, to the to egg uh, solutions. Okay, because they add something. I was reading that they add gypsum, calcite, and dairy compost as a blend. So is that just yep. for the agriculture piece? Yep. So we blend that out at our facility, and correct that those add-ons are specifically for the agricultural piece. So we have separate material for the residents. And so far, how has been the report on how the compost has been working? It is. It's amazing, actually. I never. There's a lot of size of relief with the yields that are coming back from the farmers. So we're really excited for the coming years and, and beyond based on what we're doing with the making the soil come alive again. What is your scale? How much can you do out there? So right now our permit is for 110 ton a day of, of organic. So we're, we're an industrial 15-acre facility, so we can do quite a bit. So 15 acres is, is the top amount of acres you have to work with? Yep, that's our facility permit right now, yep. Is that enough to serve for the demand that seems to be increasing? For now, I I think so. There's some technologies that we can uh, implement to add more volume to the same footprint if need be, like in-vessel composting, which is done all inside, and that's a seven-day process. So there's there's other plans and and things that we can do technologically speaking 
to do more on the same footprint. So I think for now, for the foreseeable future, we, we definitely have the space. Is it all done need. outside right now, or do you do any inside? Uh, we, no, we have a, a 80 by 95 receiving building that we take that we do some blending and mixing in uh, right now. So it's not all done outside right now, no. Could you take us through the process, Max, of how it works when somebody brings a load of organic compostables and then what happens to it from there? Yep. So the based on what customer it is, we dro- we have the products dropped to a certain place at the facility, and that's all typically all a nitrogen product if they're bringing organics. And then we mix four parts uh, carbon, which would be uh, wood chips, a combination of wood chips and then leaves, because grass is actually a nitrogen in the mm. grass and leaves scenario. So we have to mix four parts carbon to one part nitrogen, and then we form the windrow based on that recipe and the material brought in. Then that material is turned based on temperature and requirements of the permit. And then after 21 days, it moves into what's called the, it's finished through the PFRP, which is the path for further reducing pathogens. And after 21 days at 135 degrees, we can move that to a different part of the facility to cure and get ready for screening and sale. So the from the time the product is dropped at our facility to the time you can put it in your garden is roughly 10 months. Oh, wow. So it is a, it's quite a long process then. Yep, it's extensive. Yep. There's a lot of record keeping, you know, and obviously we we deal with mother nature here in Minnesota a little bit differently than other parts, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I was going to ask you, how does that work in the winter when you do have these sometimes 20 below temperatures? And of course, the idea of composting is heating it up so you get rid of some of the pathogens and so things break <laughs> yep. down. So how do you do that because you're outside? Uh, that's that's where the building comes into play. So we can mix it in the building and, and overnight, typically the bugs start working. That's one good thing about composting is the bugs when it's 17 below will will show up to work <laughs> if you have the right the right recipe. And what happens out in the windrow is typically when it gets to single digits, maybe 10, 11 degrees, we, we can't turn it or else it'll, it'll yeah. freeze. But if you look at the pile when it's that cold, the outside gets a little bit of a crust, but the inside, if you were to stick a temperature probe in, it would still be 135 degrees in the inside of the pile where we're, we're most important. But that's where the building comes into play for our operation, is we can heat things up and mix and blend within the building, which has in-floor heat, and then we can move that product out the next day. Because I've seen your windrows. Basically, it's these long lines of, of, look like dirt, essentially. And how do you turn something like that? So we have a windrow, it's called a spinner. So it's just a a pull-bind windrow turner. And then we can turn with uh, loaders as well if needed. I was just wondering because I have a hard enough time turning my little compost <laughs> pile with a fork, let alone having tons and tons. Yeah, it's a it's a big pull behind machine behind a tractor that that's a pretty spins the pile, so it takes the top to the bottom and and spins it all, mixes it up, and then we clean up behind it with the buckets, the bobcat, and check the temperatures and the temperatures tell you what to do with your material. That's the key, even for at home composters. If you can figure out a temperature probe to get into your, whether you have a, a tumbler or if you have like a chicken fence compost pile mm-hmm. or however you compost at home, temperatures are, are the key to any compost pile. 
Well, that's something I've I've failed on because I don't <laughs> I don't turn it enough. Well, your your eyes and temperature. I mean, your eyes won't lie to you either. But the temperatures, if you can, if you can get the temperatures, because your compost pile will tell it tell you when it needs moisture and air, because the temperatures will drop more than five degrees or raise more than five degrees. Okay. And if it goes above or below five degree benchmark, that's saying it needs. And if visually it looks like it has enough moisture, then it needs air. But if it looks dry, then it needs moisture and maybe not air. So there's, it's temperatures in your eyes. And that's, again, why we have to, I have to take six credits every year of education, continuing education to, to keep my license. What if somebody listening is a gardener like myself and wants to get some compost for their garden? What do they need to do? Where do they need to go? How do you go about it? My best suggestion is to, during the week, we're very busy with other industrial-type materials and trucks and and loaders are driving everywhere. My suggestion is to stop out mid-Saturday morning, whatever trailer or bucket or however much you're looking for, and look around and and come out on a um, 10, 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and that's the best time to stop out. If you visit the MFS Recycling website on Google... Um, we're also on Facebook. My phone number is listed there, or the the office number is listed online as well. Where are you located so people can kind of get an idea from, let's say, Mankato as a, a starting point? So, I, I mean, as the crow flies, as they say, we're we're roughly about six minutes from the Quick Trip and Jake Stadium Pizza okay. on campus. Okay. Straight south. So we're on 563rd Avenue in just outside of Good Thunder. North, north and east of Good Thunder. And I'm sure that your website will probably have a map or something if people are wondering. Yep. Yeah, yep. Google has updated maps, phone numbers, product availability, operating hours. Everything's on the website. And, and if not, like I said, feel free to stop out on it's 16225 563rd Avenue in Good Thunder. Like I said, during the week, I would suggest a mid-Saturday morning is is best, I mean, weather permitting. Sure. Do you know how much organic matter you're taking out of the stream, like on a yearly basis? Well, just with reopening, I don't really have a very good number for you today. That might be the teaser for a follow-up interview in like six months, because then I'll have a very good idea. When did you actually reopen? Well, we were allowed to, because working off the other products that were on site, we took a, we were taking in minimal products about six months ago. Okay. Very, like grass and leaves and wood chips. But officially with the permit update just last week, we were, I guess, the, the conditional use permit was reinstated fully with the new conditions. We had a, an agreement to operate. We were just very selective and, and we're taking in minimal products as we clean the facility up. Well, I want to thank you, Max. We've been talking with Max Milinkovich, who is the manager of the MFS compost site that is near Good Thunder, and they are up and running making organic compost that is good for the public, and a lot of it goes for agriculture. So I want to thank you so much for all your information. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for doing the good work that you're doing and and saving (laughs) a lot of this stuff from the landfills. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's really why I get up every morning. It's, uh, I I love what I do. Thank you so much, Max. You have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks, Kim. Yep, bye-bye. Everyday is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop.
And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.